Creepy Crap Podcast will contain spoilers, adult themes, and swearing. So if you've got sensitive or young ears, probably not your cup of tea. Enjoy the show. Hello and welcome, Creepy Crapsters, to the very first episode of the Creepy Crap Podcast. I'm your host, my name is Daniel Craig, and I'm from Sydney, Australia. I love talking and I love horror movies, so I thought, why not combine those two ingredients and make my own podcast? Oi, Daniel, what's your podcast all about? Well, mate, funny you should ask, because the Creepy Crap Podcast is basically every episode I'm going to watch another crap horror movie, and as I go along, I'm going to pause it, I'll tell you what minute I'm up to in case you're watching at home, and I'll basically just describe the garbage, the atrocities, the why the fuck did they do that, and just the general stupidity of what my eyes are witness. So I watch it, and then I'll paint a nice little mental picture of what I'm seeing for you at home who's listening along. Okay, so that's enough of that introduction business. Now let's get stuck into the first episode's movie. The movie I've decided to start the podcast off with is The Windmill Massacre. It is rated MA15+. It's from 2016. Goes for an hour and 25 minutes. And it's rated 4.8 out of 10 on Internet Movie Database. And it is available on Prime Video. So super quick summary again, I watch a crap movie, pause it, tell you where I'm up to, talk about it, and you can watch along or just listen, that's it. Windmill Massacre 2016, here we go. We're at the three minute mark now, and basically it's showing the title sequence of, it's basically a caravan burning, uh, I think it was deliberately lit, didn't really show, it was just pieces as they showed names, that sort of thing. And then it cuts off to Amsterdam, present day, and there's an Australian girl looking after two little kids, a babysitter of such, I guess. And then the dad walks in, he goes, Julie, can I have a word with you? And then basically she's there and he's holding a passport. He goes, should I call you Julie or Jennifer? And she's like, oh, I need that back. And he goes, you can wait here till the police come. And that sort of thing. And she's like, uh, no, I need that back. And then they have a little tussle a little bit. And she grabs a vase and bam, smashes it on his head. And he's like, oh, my Swedish head. Or Dutch head, I should say, actually. He's falling on the ground and she runs off. And then it shows a little tour boat thing. And the guy's like, dad, is that Dan Frank house? And he's like, what? I'm... I'm reading. It's just a classic dad who's too busy with work or doesn't like his kid either way, but like he's busy, not really listening, not paying attention, doesn't want to be on this trip by the look of it, did not care about the Anne Frank house. And basically, I think this is going to be one of those little scenes where like all the main characters of the movie sort of intertwine and like, did you know we were all there at the same time? Okay, so we're at the six minute mark now. And basically from what I've seen of the next few characters, the extension from the father and son scene was basically like, he's like, I can't believe mum let us out. And he's like, yeah, yeah. And then he went to take a selfie with the son and the kid's all happy. He's finally getting attention. And then he gets a phone call and he's like, oh God, dad's always busy. It's very cats in the cradle. But anyway, then it moves on over to Noah Taylor, the actor. Australian guy has been in Game of Thrones and a bunch of other good stuff. And he's at a little art gallery and he's sketching a little windmill. And then he's all happy, I guess. And he looks over and he sees a little artwork and it's a guy with his brain cut open and people like digging into it. And he's like, and then he sort of runs off, takes a little sniffy of the cocaine and and then it pans off to a Japanese guy and he's standing there and he's looking at a photo of him and an old lady. I'm assuming it's his grandma or he's got a really old mum. And he's looking at this nice little pond area, some nice little stones. And he's there and he sits down and he's kneeling and he's praying and he puts this little like thing. I'm guessing it's a little vial of like ashes or something like that. Maybe the grandma from the photo. He wasn't speaking English. So basically that's five characters so far if these are all people in the movie. So let's see how many more are left. Okay, so it's 11 minutes now and basically what happened is that there were two more people there was a photo girl who was taking photos uh she needs to get a real 
portfolio. So the guy tells her to get photos of windmills. So she has to go, where can I get the thing? You in Amsterdam, love, have a think. And then there's also an English guy who's with a group of mates, maybe on like a box party or something like that. But he seems to be a war veteran who probably has PTSD because he heard a fan and then he heard helicopters and then freaked out and then ran out of the red light district. So basically we've seen all the characters now. They've all met up and they're going on a tour bus. There's a tour bus that's going to tile the real Amsterdam, the windmills, all that sort of stuff, the countryside. All these characters we've seen from the beginning are all on there. The chick, the Aussie girl is there. She's been hiding. She's sleeping on the streets. Uh, she didn't have a ticket, but the bus driver let her on anyway. The driver is called Abe and he seems cool and he's a tour guide and he's like, you're going to see the real Amsterdam. So all these guys are on the bus and let's see what happens. I'm guessing they're going to drive right to the massacre. Okay, so it's about 15 minutes in now. They're at the first windmill. They're enjoying it. The scenery looks lovely. I've been to Amsterdam, but I never really went to the countryside. I kind of wish I did. It's really nice out there. All the big open farms, the windmills, the fields, all that. It looks heaps nice. That's not really my point. It was mainly just that the Australian girl is talking in this like Simpson-esque sort of voice where it's like, oh, I've seen you play knifey spoony before. It's more of like a stupid Cockney accent than an Australian accent. But anyway, she's talking to Noah Taylor. He has an English accent in this. And he asks her, why are you here? And she goes, oh, you know, I'm an Aussie. I'm like, how is that the reason? But anyway, yeah, it's just that the voice is really stupid. Like, I think she is an Australian actress. It's just like, why are you talking like this? Talk normally. You already have the accent. Anyway, let's keep going. And fair warning, I do love a good rant. So if something grabs my attention, be prepared to hear me blabber on for a while. So I'll do my best to cut it down. But yeah, I love a good rant. So, so you have been warned, okay? Okay, so we're 19 minutes in now and the Australian girl is crazy. She's basically hallucinating. She's meant to be on tablet. She's run out. She's seeing shit. She keeps having flashbacks of the caravan from the beginning and it's not on fire now, but there is an angry guy who I'm assuming is her dad and he's hitting her and all this sort of stuff and she wakes up screaming and then suddenly she's like, stop the bus! Because she sees him in front of it. They stop the bus. No one's there. They go, you're fucking crazy. And then she gets off the bus, walks around, sees a windmill in a distance and basically there is no no one there and then they're like get back on the bus and then they went to start the bus won't start and then he's like do 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 the engine won't start and the guy's like you flooded he goes if i want your opinion i'll ask for it and he's like you fucked us and then everyone's annoyed at her because it only stopped because of her and also a side note the photo girl is also a famous japanese toothpaste model and the japanese guy recognized her and she talks to him in japanese basically told him to like leave her alone but yeah i assume she's going to translate for him because otherwise no one's gonna understand what he's saying during this movie and that's about it they're stuck on a bus in the middle of nowhere it's all her fault they're angry tensions are high and let's see where it goes from here Okay, so we're at the 24 minute mark. The bus is still stuck. It's starting to leak petrol. So that thing is going nowhere. And basically it's nighttime and they're like, why don't we call for help? Oh, there's no signal. Okay, so what are we going to do? They're going to look for that windmill from earlier, which was moving. So that obviously maybe someone's home. So let's go for help. So the girl, the Aussie girl that is, and the army guy, which confirms he was at Amsterdam with his unit. So he's still active and serving. So they've gone to find the windmill. And on the bus, Noah Taylor is asking the bus driver, where are we on the map? There doesn't seem to be any windmills on the thing. And he goes, oh, we're about here. And he's being really vague. And he's like, it doesn't make any sense. He goes, there's no windmills. He goes, then what's that? And he's pointing at the big windmill. The Australian and the soldier are talking. And basically it pans back a little bit and you see a big hand holding a big black hook. So someone sinister is definitely watching them from the bushes and they're not too far away. So let's find out who that is. 
It's a minute later and hello, what have we got here? We've got a little bit of information. This soldier has had a flashback revealing why he's on the run. When he went into the red light district and saw the hooker, he has killed her when he was freaking out. So, so he's killed the hooker and he's basically just trying to hide away until he can get back on the plane and go back to where he's serving. So that's the first piece of insight we've had on any of these people. So the soldier is a killer and that's all I've got so far. About 30 seconds later and fucking hell, the soldier is being killed. What a shock. He's standing there talking and then whoa, he falls to the ground. They're like, what just happened? They look down and there's these two feet cut off at about the shins. And then he looks up and he's like, what the hell? And there's a big guy and you can see a big scythe or whatever, all covered in blood. And then he looks up and he's like, what the hell? And then the guy just steps on. You can only really see the face very vaguely. It kind of looks like he's wearing a sack or something. And he just stomps the head in and it's like a big body pumpkin getting crushed. It's crah, crah, crah. Bunch of steps, four or five stomps on his face. His face is pulp, everyone. Oh, jeez, whoa. Oh, the shock, the horror, he's dead. The soldier, I thought he was going to be the hero or something in this. So yeah, she's run off, and now it's showing the bus again. And let's see what happens now. God damn, what a shock. It's the 37-minute mark, and a few things have happened in about the 10 or so minutes since I last talked. It was, um, the Aussie girl got back on the bus, and then she's like, I can see him, and the guy, the killer was there. And then no one could see him. And then suddenly like a bloody crow hits the bus. And then one, literally one crow hits the bus. And then it starts tipping and everyone gets off the bus. And then the bus falls over suddenly into water that was just absolutely nowhere before. That was just on a dirt path. Falls into the water. So the bus is completely out of action. They've got no way of getting out. They start walking, they start going to this uh, windmill, but then they go to this big like shed instead and they all stay in there, it's warm and they've got a, you know, it's really old, but they're in there, a bit of safety. The bus driver goes to the windmill, says it's closed, so he comes back and they're just going, they're so aggressive and angry. The dad is just, he's obnoxious. He's just like, he hates the girl so much. He blames her and his son has that hemophilia. So he will bleed out forever if he gets cut. And he has been cut. So he's blaming the daughter. And Takashi is the Japanese guy. As he was walking with the group, he saw the dog, which was the grandmother's, I think, from the photo. So he starts chasing that. And then he walks into this little field in the woods there. And then he sees her chair that was in the photo as well. And it's kind of like, I think the bad guy is luring them in with like whatever's like upsetting them. So he's on the ground and he's just crying and he's saying stuff in Japanese. And then the guy comes up and then you see him grab his big weapon, the scythe, and then it swipes down. But as it swipes down, it cuts back to the group. And the group's all there. The doctor's telling everyone he should be careful of the girl because he saw a pill bottle earlier and she's crazy. So everyone's there. The French model photographer girl is trying to be the only one who's sort of on her side and the kid's like, stop yelling, you're meant to be adults. So this is all happening. And so for a group of strangers, there's a lot of hostility in this room for some reason. They seem really angry at each other. They still think that the soldier's alive because they don't believe the girl. And now the, the killer's probably going to start getting him because they're sitting right there in the barn. So let's see if he comes and gets them. Okay, we're at 42 minutes now and the plot has well and truly thickened. Basically, what's just happened is Noah Taylor has just been killed. He's been standing there in the field. He's had a vision coming up and there's a girl. She's dead. So basically what's happened, he's a doctor who takes drugs or drinks or whatever else. And while he was doing surgery on her, he must have fucked up and she died. So that's the little vision he's been haunted with. I don't know. He's just saying, it's not my fault. I'm completely blameless. And he's talking all weird now. Like the, he's like, I'm jolly sorry or something like that. I'm like, is if you would say that to someone if you killed them? Oh, 
jolly sorry about that. Sorry about the spot of death I gave you, but whatever, let's move on. Bad guy is just gone, whoosh, and as the girl, he ripped into his chest, and then it's cut back to what he looks like, and it's the scythe again. The scythe's gone straight through his chest. He was just talking to himself because they were watching him from the outside point of view. But anyway, he's dead now. And then Takashi has just popped up, covered the face of the Australian girl like, sharp, and like, he's still alive. So he didn't die before. That was surprising. I thought he got sliced. Somehow he hasn't. I haven't seen any further past this point yet. Takashi's still alive. So everyone except for Noah Taylor and the soldier are still alive and they're all fighting and whatever else. But yeah, Takashi is actually alive and the killer is just picking them off one by one by basically using, I guess, their biggest regrets or their fears or whatever they're like that's been haunting them. He's using that against them somehow and that's what's happening. He's killing them using their fears. We're at the 57 minute mark now and quite a lot's happened to be honest. Um, they've given the backstory of the killer. His name is Miller Hendrick, I believe. And basically the backstory, but it was uh, Miller sold his soul so he could use his windmill to make the best grain in town. He got greedy and lazy. And then one day they found a tooth in one of the bags of flour. And then they found out that he was using his mill to grind up the bones of his victim. So he got burned alive and then he died. But then like the devil was so happy with what he did. They made him the gatekeeper. So basically what he's doing now, he's pretty much taking their souls if they're guilty and not sorry for what they've done he'll kill them but if they show genuine remorse he lets them live so that's what happened with Takashi but everyone else so far is not sorry whatsoever for what they've done so he's killed them so so far now Takashi is alive the doctor's dead the soldier's dead and now the French girl's given her backstory and what it was was that when she was in Japan she had a rival model that she paid off to get cut in the face but when she got cut she was so ashamed or whatever like that she killed herself so she was like so she wasn't sorry at all for what she had done so she went outside there was all these Japanese lights hanging out and then she looks in this red puddle and she's like oh look I look so beautiful and then the reflection of herself starts cutting herself and she's like oh no what's going on and then a big hand comes up from the puddle brings her down drowns her then drags the whole body down the puddle so basically what's happening is he's killing people and now this magical windmill that the killer owns or embodies or whatever else he's doing is moving again the windmill is starting to turn and all that so they're like oh someone is home so the dickhead dad and the bus driver are now following that windmill and they're going over there to look for some help. The Aussie girl also gave her backstory and what that was was that she used to live in a caravan with a dad and a brother and the dad used to beat her but now he started hitting the brother so she's like no I've had enough of this. So what she was doing she took the brother outside and then filled the place up with gasoline and then lit it but then what she didn't realise was that the brother had gone back in the house to get his little toy so what he, she essentially did was lock the brother and the dad in the house, burned them alive, they died and that's why she she ran off so she had killed her brother and her dad and basically she hasn't had to face up for that crime yet with the killer but i reckon it'll be coming pretty soon so it's basically 59 minutes now and what's been happening is takashi is just chanting and praying and doing whatever with beads and a whole bunch of stuff in front of a fire so what he's done he's summoned up and this cloudy shit house looking little picture of the miller hendrick the bad guy pops up and he's looking at him like oh and he kind of looks like he's kind of a mixture of like a burned face person who kind of looks like he's wearing a mask or like a jack-o'-lantern a bit like a clown but he's also kind of looks like how how Deadpool looked in the first Wolverine movie like he just looks really weird but he stands there and then Takashi goes and lifts his hand and then it goes and disappears in like a big puff I don't know if he just made it disappear or not because it's like he doesn't explain it he doesn't speak English there's no subtitles he's just doing this chant and everyone else in the room's just looking at him like Takashi what the hell bro why don't you fill us in so I don't know it's real confusing and the dickhead dad and the bus driver in the 
the windmill and they've noticed that he's using the bodies to like grind and drop all the blood into the like the windmill and that's what's fueling it and the dad's like oh i'm gonna be sick they're, i don't know where they're going from now i can't see any escape for any of these people getting out considering it's not just getting killed it's also getting them supernaturally so they're getting hit on both angles but yeah i don't know the acting's a bit weird there's no one really likable in this to be honest it's just a bunch of people who are all sort of like dickheads who have all done something bad they're just hanging out and the special effects are pretty crap like the killing's good but then like i don't know anything to do with like the supernatural bit really crappy looking so there's about half an hour left so let's see what happens so i mean they got 30 minutes to make some sense of what's happening i guess it's an hour and four minutes and ding dong the dickhead dad is dead the crime that dad did was basically he'd killed the mum his wife because she was going to take his son in a custody battle and he wasn't going to see him at all so he choked her and killed her and then he took the trip to get away from everything else but basically yeah he killed the mum and so the bad guy has put a huge rope around his neck squeezed it and pop go to weasel baby off goes that head the kid's upset obviously because the dad's dead his head's on the ground another one's dead so they've got about 20 minutes left so let's see who else can survive or who will die Okay, so it's an hour and seven minutes now, and the bus driver, who was fairly cool apart from being useless, has just killed Takashi. So basically, he's killed him because he was trying to help things. So I think the bus driver may be in on all this. I don't know. I'm just taking a rough guess based off the killing him for no other reason. He's killed him, and now he's lying going, I don't know, I think he just ran off. And they're like, why would he do that? So he's not really good at lying, but he seems pretty good at killing, I guess, because he's dead. So Takashi died even though he survived the actual killer the bus driver got him so it's like what was the point of all the spiritual stuff he was doing and the forgiveness and remorse because it was like he's gonna die anyway pointless what a waste of time everything to do with Takashi was a waste of time in this movie pretty much the bus driver just made him redundant it's an hour and 16 minutes and basically the movie's almost over they've set the windmill on fire because the Australian girl loves fires she's had a vision of a dad she smashed him to pieces he wasn't real it was just a hallucination but basically the bus driver works for the bad guy he calls him master and i don't know if he's alive or he's been around forever they basically are just destroying any plan they can with these guys trying to escape there's no one left really it's pretty much just the australian girl and the little boy now so they've got a couple minutes left to try to survive but i don't know it's not looking good they've got two people against them now it's two for two two adults versus two kids so let's see how they go okay the movie is over and basically nothing really happened in those last couple minutes except that Jennifer the Aussie girl was killed a big hook went straight through his stomach killed her ripped her to pieces the windmill got burned and that fell down and basically the only one left was the boy because he was innocent in all this so he had no reason to be killed he's just watching it all but I meant like he might die anyway because I meant they're in the middle of nowhere no one's there to help them and then he's just there like Jennifer and now the last bit it just panned back to the bus the bus is back to normal the bus driver's there Abe he's just standing there and he's doing the same thing he's just letting everyone on and then one guy's like oh i forgot my ticket and then he's like uh well he's got room for one more sinner and then it's almost like look at the cameras if like <laughs> get it i'd taken sinners you're gonna die and who the hell gets on a bus by the way with no ticket you don't just get on a tour bus going is this the free ride to wherever this is going and they're like he said yes but in reality no one would let you go on a tour bus 
pass for free. What are you doing? You don't have a ticket. Piss off, mate. So the movie's over and I guess like it wasn't the shittest movie in the world, but there was a couple things that were a little bit like, what the hell? Like the good actors seem to die straight away. Like the soldier guy is like sort of familiar face, but I can't really pick where I've seen him. Yeah, he's gone almost instantly. I feel like they, they did not use that character to his full potential. The Noah Taylor guy, he's a great actor. He just kind of played this bumbling doctor towards the end and he got knocked off early. And it's just like the storyline to me was a little bit all over the place because it's kind of like, oh, okay, they're in the middle of nowhere. This guy is killing them and then he's like giving them no chance to redeem themselves because no one understands what's happening it's like their fears are coming back in hallucination form and basically it's like oh if you're sorry enough you can live and it's like okay like Takashi for example he was about the only one in the movie that was actually like genuinely sorry for whatever he did to his grandma never explained it he redeems himself and then gets killed by the bus driver it's like you've got this pair you got the killer and the bus driver both doing the same thing it's like if you survive one the other guy would kill you what's the point of that why why even be sorry just get killed it's like there's no saving in this there's no hope whatsoever of surviving this place unless you're innocent but i meant that boy is as good as dead anyway it's like he's got no parents now he's in the middle of nowhere he's bleeding out he will die eventually from the cut because he can't get his medication he doesn't have it with him he's in the middle of nowhere he's in a different country he doesn't live in and this boy is basically the equivalent of catching a fish and then going i'm not going to kill it but i'm also not going to put it back in the water i'll let it on the river's edge and then see if it gets itself back no it's gonna eventually dry out and die only the opposite this guy's gonna like bleed out and die it's just weird that didn't make any sense to me but like yeah they got rid of the good actors straight away the acting was a bit weird like it was just so aggressive like you think a tour group that got lost in the middle of nowhere would team up and be like we gotta get out of here let's help each other not like yell at each other instantly and oh this girl's crazy she's got tablets tie her up who would do that you'd be like oh this girl needs help maybe we should look after her not she's the reason all this happened is it like how is she what a crow hit the window she caused it and knocked the bus over it did, like a little things didn't make sense like it suddenly it's like oh they're here it's like was the bus driver gonna stop there anyway and get them killed i don't really get it it's like why is he taking this small little group at a time to kill these people like does the windmill only need five to six people every couple months to get killed like it seems like he's doing daily tours but like surely that many people aren't getting on there and getting killed and no one notices or is it the fact that they're sinners that they're all running away and hiding that no one knows they're there I, I don't know there's a lot of unanswered questions about why this is even happening and like oh there's one quick backstory on the killer and that's enough to explain the whole thing like like there was a bunch of stuff it's like also windmills aren't that scary so windmill massacre like yeah I guess there was, I don't know what the minimum amount of people for a massacre is like it is happening but it's like it's supernatural he's physical it's like make your mind up it's like which is he like he's a ghost but he also is been alive the whole time or he just pops up in physical form and people are there like I don't know there was a lot of unanswered questions about him and it wasn't like oh that adds to the mystery it's like no it just leaves a lot of unanswered questions basically it's like playing Saw like the movie and then like the bit where he's like you gave them no chance it's like this is this movie there's nothing happening that like no one can do anything to survive it's like be good you die be bad you're gonna die anyway it's like and the other main thing that really sort of got me throughout the movie was the accents it's like they gave actors who came from certain countries different accents it's like Noah Taylor was Australian why didn't he have an Australian accent the girl was Australian why'd you have to bung on this stupid English style accent it's like I don't know they're a lot of weird little things I mean like I guess the actors are acting they can do whatever they want different voices whatever but it's it's just annoying when you watch a movie and there's an Australian doing like a dumber version of their own voice or like someone bunging on an Australian accent it's like they're so stupid it's like people just haven't mastered it or 
they just don't let Australians talk normally because like, it, I don't know, it's too natural? I don't understand that. Well, anyway, that's the first episode of the Creepy Crap Podcast. The movie was Windmill Massacre from 2016. It went for an hour and 25 minutes. It had a 4.8 out of 10 rating on Internet Movie Database. I'm trying to aim for movies that are about five or less because that gives a better chance of it actually being shit, which gives me more material to talk about. If a movie's good, I'm not reviewing a movie about how good it is. There's a million things that could do that. I'm here to talk about crap movies, so I have some material to talk about. So anyway, so if you want to contact me i'm only really going to be on instagram that's going to be my main focus for this sort of show so that's my main spot to get me so if you want to get me you can get me at the creepy crap podcast that's instagram the creepy crap podcast you can follow me on there like my photos send me a message uh, suggest a movie talk about a collaboration if that's the sort of thing you want to do i'm a fresh young go-getter and all that sort of stuff but you know it could be fun you know give a guy a chance tell me what you thought of the episode if you heard it it's up to you but that's instagram the creepy crap podcast so thank you so much for listening to the windmill massacre my first episode and and if you want to tell your friends where you can check me out you can get me on all the major platforms all the spotify's itunes stitcher iHeartRadio, all the main ones you'll find the creepy crap podcast on so thank you so much for listening to the first episode of the creepy crap podcast my name was daniel Craig. Check me out on the Instagram, like I said, the Creepy Crap Podcast. And thank you so much for listening to me have a go about talking about the Windmill Massacre. So thank you, Creepy Crapsters, for listening to the Creepy Crap Podcast. Keep yourselves creepy. Keep yourselves crappy. I'll catch you on the next one. And you stepped on my clogs and I said, if you step on my clogs again, you're about to get some splinters in your ass. Hello and welcome Creepy Crapsters to the very first episode of the Creepy Crap Podcast. My name is Daniel Craig and I'm from Sydney, Australia.